0: Morning everyone, I don't know if all of you know, but I've actually born and bred Somerset West. So, so, is that like win me points or something? (laughs) But you realize how much smaller Somerset West, Strand, Gordon's Bay, all those areas are, you inevitably are going to meet people that you know. But um, I even heard, who is it now that mentioned the Bay? Jeff Kidwell was literally there when I was born, so he's been a family friend my, my dad planted a church in Somerset West called Haldeberg Christian Fellowship. Franchois and Liz Hienes. I don't know if you know the name. Um, you remember them? So that was literally when I was born. I think it was '89 or 1990, somewhere around there. And I never saw myself. This is a testimony. I never saw myself doing this. It's almost like the story of Jonah. Like You can moan. You can try to run from God. You can make your other plans. He's going to get you. <laughs> and you got me, I'm still processing it. Um, but let me just pray for us before we start. Father, I thank you for, like we've been saying, just a, a privilege to know you, a privilege to be your family. I think so often we don't even get the depth of what that means. That you take us one by one out of this world, and you're not just making a church, you're not just making a new congregation, you're making a people. A new people. That there's neither rich nor poor, black nor white. We're not marked by our suburbs or our background or even our our wealth, our worthiness, whatever. We are all one in Christ. And I just pray today, Lord, as each person sits here, that they would both be contending for themselves, saying, I need to get this, Lord. I need to see more and more of your truth. But I pray at the same time, They would be praying for their brother and their sister next to them, saying, help them get it, Lord. Help them. Because when each person is stepping into their God-given destiny, we're all going to benefit. We all feel it. We're one body. So come, Holy Spirit. Just I'm preaching this morning about not I, but through Christ in me. And I pray I'd practice what I'm preaching. Help me this morning not look at James, not rely on myself. But you want to speak. I believe that, God. You want to speak, and I pray I would, I would let you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I keep thinking that there's a chance I almost wasn't here today, because I was brying last night at a gas bry, and I don't know if I pressed the wrong knob or something, but a whole gas fire blew up in my face. I'm still singed. I was shaving and stuff this morning. It's still singed here, my eyebrows, my arm. We put burn shield on that thing immediately, but... I got a scare last night, so I'm just glad I'm here. Um, don't fiddle with gas prize. Stick with wood. <laughs> the Afrikaners would love that. <laughs> but can you just put up our scripture, just to start off? I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2, and um, this is a scripture many of you, you probably know the scripture, hey, heard it before, maybe you've just heard it out of context. But here it is in context, and I want us to read this first, and then I want to ask you a question about it. Okay, let's just read. Paul says here to the the church in Philippi, says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When you read that scripture, what is, do you think of some of the first things that just grab you? I think for some of us, if you ask people, they would say, well, I need to work it out. Often your emphasis so heavily falls on the first half of that thing, and that's almost your, your Christian life, is all you almost think it is, is God has almost just given us commands, He's given me teachings, and now it's up to me. I've got to work it out. He's given me like the Holy Spirit, which you can sometimes see as like a spiritual energy aid. He's given me that, I just gotta drink that energy aid, and I gotta get it done. Anyone ever like that? I'm sometimes like that. And then you feel like you've like burnt yourself out and you come back again. What I wanna get at this morning is I think, I'm not necessarily asking you to go out here and do different things. You know what I mean? I'm asking you to go out of here and do maybe some of the same things, but from a totally different place. Totally different fuel source that doesn't run dry. And I think, I think for some of us, it's whether you like it or not. I mean, I'm, I'm in Stellenbosch now, so they've, they're just starting exams this week. So probably not going to see many students over the next week or two. But that whole world, if you go through school, you go through university, the whole messaging, whether you like it or not, is what you put in is what you get out. You are not going to go to your lecturer and say, please, just out of grace, just give me this degree. He'd be like, no, work for it, pass, get the marks. You'd be laughed off. But you know what's so hard sometimes about grasping the kingdom? Is it's almost the opposite. And your human brain struggles with it. Jesus would say things to those standing in front of him, unless you humble yourself and become like a child. You cannot enter the kingdom. He's not just giving them a new command where you've got to go home and figure out how to be a child. He's saying something about your, your posture is let go of everything you thought you've built up in life. Lay it down and come almost totally dependent like a child, purely distrusting, and that's the way into the kingdom. So there's, there's, uh, if you're reading your Bible properly, you should be seeing that. You shouldn't just be seeing his words going, cool, seems doable. You should see a conversation like he has with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, who, humanly speaking, is the most qualified. And Jesus, on purpose, wants to almost cut Nicodemus' legs off, so to speak. Nicodemus is like, tell me how fast I must run, what I must do. And from the beginning, Jesus was saying, no, your legs need to be cut off. It seems humanly impossible. So that when you, this is why, when we live the Christian life, whether it's worshiping right now, whether it's putting sin to death, whether whatever it is, we should be realizing this is not I, but Christ in me. That's going to change your whole life. Otherwise, you're going to keep looking at I the whole time. I can't do it. I don't feel like I have the capacity. I actually really want those things, and I've got to put them to death. You're just looking at I, I. And that's, that's death in the Christian walk. It's depressing, it's heavy, it's a heavy weight, and you're actually right. You can't do it, that's the point. You're not supposed to be looking at you. You're supposed to be looking at him, amen. amen. I'm just warming you up. <laughs> I'm gonna till the soil a bit, and then I'll sow some seed in, but we need to, we need to kind of jig our, our, our thoughts a bit and figure out, not just what do I officially believe, But functionally each day when you wake up, how are you living? What's the self-talk you're giving to yourself? Even in our prayers sometimes it can be like that. It can be be very, Lord, I pray you help me with work today. I pray you, those aren't bad prayers. But where it's coming from is me. I feel so inadequate. I was even thinking of the moms today. Moms need a lot more credit than we give them. I mean, we all had moms. I mean, in order to be sitting here, you had to have a mom. but. Moms are powerful in that we sometimes, when we can speak of doing great Christian things, we'll speak of being a missionary, doing all these things. But if you're a mom and you've got a little child, you're just waking up each day and trying to get through. You're just trying to survive sometimes and just cope and stay sane. And I want to even encourage you today that you can wake up tomorrow and say, Lord, I'm not necessarily going out onto some great mission field today. I'm raising these human beings you've given me I can't do it, but you can. Let's go. Even in the small things like that, it's not just big things. It's the small things each day which our gaze needs to be on Him. So with that verse, what I'm gonna, I wanna kind of bring our attention to is the second part of it. I want you to go out here and still work out yourself. Work out what God's put in you in it. It needs to be said, it sounds obvious, But it needs to be said, you can put it up again. Paul is not saying, work for your own salvation with fear and trembling. I just need to say that again, because sometimes you might read it that way. Or work to earn it, or keep it, he's not doing that. A good analogy, I mean I don't don't really bake, but I'll use a baking analogy, is if you have a piece of dough, and you throw in something seemingly insignificant, like yeast, that's a game changer for your recipe. You throw it in there, what do you do? You work it in. You, you throw it down, you roll it, all those things, what you're doing, you're taking what's been placed in and letting it spread throughout the whole thing. So in a sense, that's what Paul is saying here. What God has worked into you, like a mustard seed, work it out, work it out, roll it, that's what you're doing. You're working it out into you and you start seeing it changing you. Sometimes slower than you want, but it does change you. Um, But that part there, I want to just take you back to. I think this. this, Oh, perfect, thanks. Um, I do have a bottle, but that's fine. Um, I want to take you back to how did your Christian walk start? How did you become? Because he's talking about the daily Christian life. You're working it out. What's it like? You need to start in the beginning. How did you become a Christian? What was your posture? Because if you're not careful, it's almost like, it's almost like the analogy of an aeroplane. If you get on an aeroplane, who's, who's afraid of flying? You sit in that aeroplane, <laughs> and you're really relying on those engines, and the fuel, and the captain, you're like, I'm powerless right now. I'm trusting this thing. You send up a little desperate prayer to heaven <laughs> in that moment. But sometimes we can be so foolish in our Christian walk to think, That the same things I trusted to get that airplane up in the air, I'm now not trusting anymore to keep it up in the air and to land it. So it was his power, his grace, his work, not I, that got me up. Why would I start looking at I now? It's foolish. And God might even want to say that to you today and just give you almost like a water in the face. And you're like, yeah, why have I been looking at me? It's never been about me. Did God save you because He found you worthy? Did He? Who did He find worthy? Jesus. Did He find you in a place where you had paid somehow for all your sins? No. Who did He find? Jesus. Did you sacrifice somehow enough to please God, to atone Him? No. Jesus was the once-for-all perfect sacrifice when he had done his work he sat down no stress anymore saying it is done it is finished so all you did is you almost brought open hands and you said I'm coming poor in spirit to you nothing in my hands and I'm receiving Jesus you get that you're not just receiving even Jesus's teachings or words that's going to condemn you You have to receive the person of Jesus. He, in a sense, from day one, becomes your CV. You know what's a CV? Maybe if you're too young, you haven't compiled your CV yet, but CV is what you would send to a company, and they say these are the entrance criteria, and sometimes there's thousands of CVs you're sending in there, and you just hope. And you put your best stuff on there, like I was a prefect at school, I was in like the maths club. I was in. You put anything you can find on that CV because you want them to like you. But in a sense, for you to get into the kingdom, to God's family, whose CV did you use? Jesus's. Has it clicked? Yeah. So are you right now looking at your own CV, going, oh, it's not good enough. Oh, I hope God finds it good enough. Oh, I better add these things. Are you doing that? Probably all of us to a degree. Depending which day of the week I'm catching you, you're still looking at your own CV. But one of his main purposes with us to make us more effective is tear up your CV and say, to live now is Christ. The old James, I I, I can't work with him. The cross makes a statement and said, I couldn't just tweak James. I need to kill him off so that he's not the center of his universe anymore. God is. And God is now at work in him. Amen. Amen. So you've got to start, I mean, you don't have to put it up, but a good good example is Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul is laboring this point and saying, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun, that's what I'm talking about. How did the airplane get up? Having begun by the Spirit. Are you now trying, seeking to find your end, to find your completion by the flesh, by human effort? And he's got to bring you back and he's, and he's zealous about this. He's saying, I won't just leave you in that season for a while because you'll, you'll, you'll still get a lot done. He's saying, the stuff even you think you're getting done is dead works. It's dead, God doesn't need it. All the sacrifice you're trying to do, you're trying to bring, it's not pleasing to him. So he's saying the same way you started, by the Spirit, is the way you're supposed to carry on. And it's, it's do you know, I don't know if you've ever been, like there's, there's certain Christian phrases and words which over time can almost lose their meaning for you. And I think one of them is like to be to walk by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. It can seem a bit like intangible. Some of you might sit there and say, well, How? When I wake up tomorrow morning, how? What does that mean? And here's a, here's a good example I think for you, how to think of it. Is when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what do you think was the, the ultimate root of their disobedience? Don't even think in the broad categories of just good thing, bad things, sin. God had created them to be dependent on him. So what was their sin one of? independence from God. That will open up your understanding to think of sin differently. Sin is not just, thou shalt not do this. Sin is even now relying on me to do only that which God can do. Relying on me to provide for myself only that which God can provide for me. Because that's not what He created us for. Amen? He created you each day to come to him just like they did in the garden and say, Everything I need, you have. And the devil comes and says, Maybe there's something you don't yet have that he's keeping from you. Why don't you pursue that apart from God? Something God made, but pursue it apart from God. That is literally the root of sin in the world. Is man, it might look different in people. Some people shake their fists at God and say, I'll never serve that God. And they might add all these caveats on, like, how can a loving God do this? And then they might point to certain things in their life. But what they're doing is they're saying, on my terms, I'm going to accept this God. And he's not passing my terms. So he's still living independent from God. So here, for you to wake up tomorrow and to say, how do I do this? How do I walk in the Spirit? What do you need to think? How do I today, what does it mean, Lord, to live dependent, fully dependent on you? Amen. Just like a newborn baby suckling at its mother's breast. That's a picture of dependence. I think a baby would probably die even within a day at certain stages of its development. It is so dependent. And that is the journey God's got you on. Do you know how interesting that is? What's the journey the world has you on? You start as a baby and you grow out of those childish ways. You provide for yourself, you get a degree, and you don't need anyone. You don't need your parents, you shrug it all off. What is God's way? The opposite. (laughs) He says you come into the kingdom with the mindset of like an adult, saying I can do everything, God's just gonna come help me now because I'm a Christian. And slowly over time, God says no, no. The most mature Christians are those who realize apart from him, I can do nothing of any value apart from him. I have no good thing. He is my good thing. It all comes from him. Amen. Is that challenging for you? Every day, the world, maybe your family members, maybe your spouse, maybe whoever, is trying to channel you towards almost independence. It might even be someone says something of you and you're like, I don't need them. That's still sometimes the same kind of me, myself, this is I'm a little orphan kind of going through the world, and I don't need anyone. And God is saying for the first time in your life, there is someone you're allowed to totally need, and it's me. There's no risk there. You can't need him too much and get punished. You might have been in an earthly relationship where you really felt like you needed things from the person and then they turned and rejected you, and it stings. It really hurts, because you felt like need equals weakness. And God says, no, no, need in my kingdom equals strength. Amen. Paul says, I will boast of the things that show my weakness, so that the power of Christ may be made manifest in me. I'm not going to hide behind all this facade of strength. I'm going to boast in it, so that when the world looks at me, they realize, that's Paul, but not Paul. That's James, but it's not James. James. Know what I mean? And, 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 and another phrase, you can write it down just if you're making notes, but another good phrase is, Paul mentions in Romans one, verses 16 and 17. You remember he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And at the end of that he says, for in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. And he says, this walk is from faith to faith. Beginning in faith, Going on in faith, ending in faith, and that just illustrates what we're talking about here—not faith and then just die-hard self-effort. It's from faith to faith, from dependence on Him to more and more dependence. And here's here's an amazing um, metaphor I want to share with you guys: is from from your perspective, sometimes it can feel like you're working really hard to get rid of things in your life and maybe to grow in more things. And you're sometimes not sure how you're going to end up. Any of you still, I don't even know how I'm going to end up right now, what my life's going to turn out like. But from God's perspective, this is food for thought. There was a famous French sculptor, I forget his name now, but he once sculpted this amazing um, marble statue of a stallion on its hind legs, kind of rearing up. And when he was interviewed about how he did that, it was like so precise, almost like Michelangelo's work. And his answer has never left me when I read this. He says, it's very easy. All I did is I saw the stallion and I cut off anything that wasn't the stallion. How's that? He's not saying I kind of cut and I'm trying to work it out. He's like, no, the stallion was in there, and now I'm cutting away to reveal it. That's amazing, hey? So God is at work in you and me, and He's not worried. He knows. He says we, we're created by Him in Christ Jesus for good works. He's prepared it. But daily it might look like a just, I'm, I'm, I'm fending things off. I'm fighting things. I'm just trying to maintain this ground. But He looks at you and me, and He says, I see the man and the woman in there. I see that one that's going to stand before me, glorious one day, faultless, and I'm, I want to reveal them. Amen. Does that encourage you? Because from our perspective sometimes we are not thinking that positively. And I I think this, why this is so important, is you must not be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. Is that I would bank on it that the enemy does not, is actually very comfortable with you thinking a certain way about your Christianity. He is. He doesn't even mind you reading some scriptures and hearing them. He's just going gonna to make you read it through a certain lens. Scriptures that are meant to liberate you, he's going to condemn you with them. He's going to tie you up in knots. And I think one of, them, one of the things that stands out for me is many of us, and, and I'm going back to Philippians 2 with this, is many of us are just seeing our Christian life as something I'm trying to do for God. He's just told me stuff to do. I'm going to go over here, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to come back and then present it. And that's not, is that a bad motive? No. But that can lead to a very weighed down, defeated life. Because you're still, if you're not careful, living a life that is distant and alienated from God. And you'll often wonder, like, what does he really think about me? Because you still, you feel a distance. But what Paul is saying here. It's not just continue, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and then let's just see what happens. What God says in the final verdict, he's saying, no, no, God already right now is the one at work in you to will. How's that for a thought? If you say, I just struggle not just to do the thing, I struggle to even want to do the thing. Good news. He says, he'll help you to will to want it and to do it. And if we can wake up each day going, not just God, what do you want me to do today? That's a great thought. Why do we change our prayers to God? What do you want to do today through me? That's more exciting. Otherwise, it's like I'm going to work. Please just give me a nice day and bless it and help me not to do this. And it's very, it's very defeated and small. It's a small horizon. Why don't you change it, open it up and say, Lord, You have made me your treasured possession. You said you always wanted a people where you would be their God and they would be your people. What do you want to do in me today? How's that for a thought? If you're walking around the streets and you see someone, your thought shouldn't just be, oh, I should probably go share the gospel or evangelize. Why don't you change the prayer to, Lord, what are you saying to that person? Let me just be your microphone. Here I am. Use me. What do you want to say? That is a game changer. I promise you, if you get hold of that, you're going to become speaking to me saying that changed everything. Amen. Even if you're not saying amen, I'm saying amen for it right now. You'll see it, I promise you. Start changing your prayers like that from this disconnected view of Him to there's fear and trembling because you're at work in me right now. That's mind blowing. So as as I was saying, I think I think that is one of the enemy strategies is to keep the focus just on what you're doing for a distant god over there. And that's ultimately you're using an Old Testament way of life to try live a New Testament Christianity. Makes sense. You're you're almost like waiting on the commands to come down Mount Sinai. You're the people down there, tell us what to do, we'll go do them. That's the Old Covenant. New Covenant, he says, you will all know me from the least to the greatest, and I will write my own laws, my own heart on yours. So you won't have to need someone to say, do this, you need to know this, you need to feel this. You're going to feel it inside of you. So we've, we've got to, and I hope you're seeing it, we've got to get away from the spotlight on us the spotlight on Him. And you've got to be ruthless with yourself, guys. It's not just an optional thing. If you feel like you're living from a place of the spotlight is constantly on you, it's gonna produce, It's either going to produce pride, superiority to others, or it's going to produce you feel inferior. That's often where most people live. I feel like I'm just not stacking up. I'm, I'm comparing myself to others. You need to realize it's nothing to me what God does with you. I'm concerned what is He doing in me, myself, in James. Now, I just want to give you some, some other scriptures to see what else does the New Testament say about this. Do you want to hear some? I don't know if I'll put all of them up because I feel like I'll be like making you guys drink out of a fire hydrant. <laughs> just put your face in front of that fire hydrant. and. Okay, well, first one that comes to mind for me is in Colossians 1, verse 27. He says at the end there, and it's a famous saying, he said, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. He's describing what is this mystery that's been revealed now. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is a radical thought. If you had gone to a Jew in the Old Testament, they didn't even know the name well, Christ just meant anointed one. They knew there was a Messiah. If you were to say, the Messiah who's coming is going to live in you, would they have bought that? No. And now Paul is saying, that Messiah who's done his work is now in you, continuing his work. Next one, Philippians 1 verse 21, that's a very short one where he quite simply says, for, for me to live is Christ. That's a very low, I don't even think I understand the fullness of what that statement means. For me now, in Paul's mind, Paul was an effective Christian, would we say, and where did that effectiveness come from? For me, to live is Christ in me. There's another scripture you, I don't know if you've got it, he says, check what he says in Romans 15 verse 18. I love this. I want this to be like a life verse for me. He says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. How's that? To bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. That is, he's saying, if you want to boast, there is something you can boast about. It's what Christ has done through me. It's like just if you hear who's an amazing singer? Um, Well, Albert, you're actually quite amazing. But like I'm thinking, a doll or something like that. If you had to go to a concert where a doll was singing and she walked off the stage, would everyone clap for the microphone left standing on the stage? No. Did she use the microphone? Yes. It amplified her voice and her song. But you don't get mixed up. And the microphone doesn't sing its own praises. It knows I could have had someone equally bad, like James, singing off me. So I'm just a microphone but that should be our posture as Christians. Amen. He's just saying this song, this message, this life-giving thing coming out of me, is I but not I. God is using me and that's gonna, that's gonna keep us grounded. It's gonna protect us from that woe is me kind of I'm unworthy thinking. Um, you ready for more? Here, here's a favorite. You should memorize some of these guys. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10 is gold. He says, for by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's not just saying, I do what I do, which that's true. By the grace of God, he is doing what he's doing. But he says, literally, by the grace of God, I am, as a person, what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, here's a great statement, I worked harder than any of them, he's speaking of all the other apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So he's very grounded, he's not false humble, because some people, they might sing a song, they might preach, like if you had to come to me afterwards and say, that was a great message, and I'd say, no, no, it wasn't me. I'm talking nonsense. Yes, James was here, but we mustn't have a false humility, we must be like, yes, it was me, thank you. But all the while we know that was him through me. We've gotta know that. Don't, don't put on a false humility of just like, it's not me, I'm just deferring. No, it is you, and God's pleased to use you. He is. He's pleased to use you, he's redeemed you. You're not the broken, sinful, almost broken jar that you once wore, were. He's made you whole, and he's pleased to use you. But the, we just say, not to us is the glory. It's, it's from him. There's another beautiful one. This is the fire hydrant still open. I'll close it just now. In in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, I don't know if all these verses have stood out to you before. Look what he says here. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. He goes on. He says, whoever speaks, like me now, as one who speaks oracles of God. That literally means... The words of God, you realize you're a mouthpiece for God. It's not just me. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Are you seeing it? It's all over the show. There's even, there's even another one in... Um, Matthew 10, verse 20. Jesus sending out the disciples, and look what he says to them here. He says, this is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That's amazing. And you can imagine for them, on the spot when they were facing opposition, anxiety, fear, they open their mouth, they have nothing prepared. They realize after the fact, wow, that was the spirit and even the boldness of my Father speaking through me. And and, and God has made it that way on purpose. He He has done all of this on purpose and the sooner we submit to it, the better. Because like it said in some of those verses, He wants to hold each of you up, even right now, and it says in future, that all the ages, all the generations that have lived will look at your life and go, it was them, but it was ultimately him. That's his purpose. He says even in the church, he wants to lift the church up, not try get it to a place where it's so perfect that it almost deserves the praise. He wants to hold it up as weak, despised in the world, broken, and to see what is accomplished through it, That all the world would go, that is impossible. That can only be God that did it. Amen. So I'm just aware of my time. Yeah, that's my time. I think what you really need here is how we need to respond. Is on the one hand, I think we can respond today and say, like, I'm going to repent right now the best I can. You maybe realize you've been looking every day at your own CV, kind of like how good you are, are you doing enough? And you almost maybe approach God on that basis the whole time of your own CV. And you're saying, no, I'm done with that thing. It was never my CV that got me in here, so I'm sorry, Lord, I've been foolish. There might be some of you like that, saying I'm rejoicing in the fact that He specifically came to this earth as a man to live, to die, to give that to me. That's why he came. He did not just come even just to die. He came to share his life with you, to be a perfect substitute for you and for me. So you today need to say in humility, I'm going to drop everything I once thought I was carrying There was a value, and I'm coming open hands again. And I can promise you the Holy Spirit is going to pour joy If you're doing that today, I wouldn't be surprised if you feel a fresh flow of joy coming into you because you're going to realize, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. It was never about me. It's always been about you. Help me not wander from that, Lord. That's my default. I just keep tending towards that. Help me to put all my weight on this chair, and and, and may I feel you carrying me day by day. Bring me back to that place. So why don't we close our eyes? I want to pray for you. And I I, I do want some of us to respond today. And I think there is definitely, just like our verse has been, continue to work out your own salvation. I have thrown some things into your almost recipe this morning. And I want you to go home, work that out. Knead the dough, work it into you. But why don't we close our eyes? I want to pray for us. Albert, it'll be lucky to have you guys back up. I firstly wanna give you guys the opportunity. If you sitting here and the the Holy Spirit God has given to convict us if we belong to him or if we don't. He's gracious enough to do that. So if you're sitting here today and you just have that sense that I actually, I don't have a life of God inside of me and I don't belong to him. He's gonna reveal that to you. I wanna pray for you now. And I, wanted, I don't want to just skim over that and not give you opportunity. It doesn't matter how long you have been here, just like being a car, like growing up in a garage does not make you a car, in the same way growing up in the church does not make you a Christian. So if you're sitting here and you realize I feel the Holy Spirit working on me, and I need to come to Him totally open-handed, maybe for the first time, genuinely, then would you please put your hand up, if that's you. I want to pray for you. I want to give you opportunity. You're not doing this for man. We live before God and His His eyes. Is there anyone like that? It would be crazy for me to not give you this opportunity. Our Heavenly Father calls us back into fellowship with Him. He says, come back to the garden. Come back to living with me, in me, and through me. Don't try and live your life separate to me. Just trying to do the Christian thing. And Father, I pray right now for everyone sitting here who knows that they are yours. They might know that they're imperfect. They've got issues just like I do. But I pray, come right now, Holy Spirit, and do your ministry. Do your ministry amongst us is you're a teacher, you're a helper, you're a guide, you're a friend, come lead us into truth. Where are you sitting? Just lift your hands if you want, just to receive. Just like I've mentioned, open hands to receive is the way you started this journey. So just say, my hands are open again, I'm receiving. I'm letting go of my own unworthiness. I'm letting go of what I thought was my own CV. And I am throwing myself on all the merits of Jesus Christ. All His achievements, I will boast in them every day. I will sing of them. I'll meditate on them. They'll never leave my mouth. So I just pray, Lord, where we've been carrying weights, burdens, whether good or bad, I pray just help us to lay them down right now. Lay them down. Whatever we thought was gain for us. Maybe just lay it down and say, help us to be dependent children on you. So dependent on you. If you just feel the Lord doing business with you, why don't you just stand? Stay in that place, stand, and just say, Lord, I'm responding to you, come work in my mind, come renew my mind, my heart. So that's you, stand now. There's no shame. I'm surprised that everyone's sitting actually, who feels that they need the Lord to renew their minds in this area, to take more of the focus of themselves and on Him. Just let Him minister to you, don't, you don't have to look at me, let Him minister to you, you belong to Him, you're His sculpture, you're His masterpiece, and say come work in me Lord. If you need to repent, then repent now, say I'm sorry for being foolish. I'm sorry for not submitting myself to what you want to do in me each day. So come, Holy Spirit, just come work. Come have your way in us, Lord.